0: Welcome to Fertile Minds Radio. Here you'll find wisdom for your fertility journey and beyond, chosen specifically to help you trust your body and elevate your spirit so you can enjoy the process. Join us and see what a fertile mind feels like. Now your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland.
1: So welcome to another edition of Fertile Minds. I'm your host, Hilary Talbot-Roland, and today I am here with Mary Ellen Cramp. And she is a physical therapist as well as a uh, technician in cranial sacral therapy and lymphatic drainage. Now, did I get all that right? Yes. And visceral manipulation. Ah, yes. You can't forget the visceral <laughs> manipulation, the, the, the most important part, which I actually just had some and it was marvelous. <laughs> So thank you for coming on the show today, Mary Ellen, Uh, and just to to let our listeners know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the importance of structural integration while you're trying to get pregnant as well as during pregnancy, and then my favorite part of this topic of what you can do for yourself postpartum and how that affects your life after having a baby and not getting physical therapy work done. Uh, so welcome. Why don't you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about how you got into um, wanting to be a physical therapist and, and how you came to women's work. Okay. Well, I
0: actually initially wanted to be a physician, but I couldn't reconcile how to be the mom I wanted to be and how to be the physician I wanted to be at the same time. I didn't, I couldn't see how I could make those hours work and Actually, I made this decision way back in middle school. No. I was a nerdy child.
1: Same way. I was 11 when I decided I wanted to be a physician. And, and how, like, when you have a finite amount of energy, how do you do all of those things well? And I think a lot of our, our patient population struggles with that. I'm sure you see the same career driven ladies that I do. Yes. Right? Yes. And then how do we cram motherhood into that as well? Yes. So.
0: So I uh, started researching other options as far as medicine went, and I was really enamored with physical therapy, so I decided to go the physical therapy route. And I ended up marrying a man who was going into osteopathic medicine. And I was able to take um, classes with him because the director of my rehab unit was also the director of the manipulative medicine department where he was going to school. The, and the, my hospital was attached to the medical school. So he um, encouraged us to take classes along with him. So I was able to take the osteopathic classes, the labs with him. So I learned a lot of the osteopathic techniques and it really got me into the manual therapy aspect That's
1: of awesome. physical therapy. You, you, when we uh, we talked a little bit before the show, and we are definitely nerds at at heart. Because I was I was like salivating over this amazing anatomy text that she has, where she was showing me all the different blood flow to the reproductive <laughs> organs. So I can see where you were like, yes, dating used a plus. I guess. It is. <laughs> I get to take these DO classes, right? (laughs) Um, Okay, so you started there with really getting the manipulation, and then what else happened? Well, and then I was
0: working, you know, more traditional PT, um, you know, in a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. And we were living in Michigan at the time, and the... The reputation I ended up getting among the other therapists was if you have a patient that you don't know what to do with, give them to Mary Ellen. Yeah. So the patients, weird ones just kept coming to me and I just, I had fun with it. Just trying to, it was a puzzle trying to figure out what was going on. Well, we moved down to Florida and my best friend from the hospital where I worked had been trying to get pregnant for about a year. She called me and said, hey, I can't get pregnant. I know you can help me. So she came down for the weekend and I was like, all right, um, I'll try. So I worked on her all weekend and she went home and immediately got pregnant. That's awesome. So so I got me thinking like, wow, this is really cool. I mean, this could really, you know, be important. Mm -hmm. So I decided when I was working on my doctorate, to make it into a a research study design and then I started to research it from there so I did a case series report that ended up getting published back in 2012 where I treated 10 women and the women needed between one and six treatments and when I was done treating I gave them three months uh, to be able to get pregnant after that so three cycles and at the end of those 10 women, six of them had become pregnant. Which the normal fertility rate is 57% of couples trying in, within three months will become pregnant. Mm-hmm. At six months, 75% of couples become pregnant. And at 12 months, 85% of couples will become pregnant. So the 57% normal rate and the 60% rate kind of match. So, you know, what I was seeing kind of brought people up to the average great. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and and you are actually I think that's great that you're doing the research to actually show how a whole system type medicine can be applied and and we've been speaking about that prior to this is it's so difficult when you are mapping out a research study, you know, especially I find this in in acupuncture, you know, the variable has to be something else, some other modality, you know, like for acupuncture, we have sham acupuncture, which is always a, you know, a big joke between practitioners, because how do you actually put in a needle and, and, or break the skin and, or not even have good intention with your, your subject in front of you. And this recent study you're doing, you're actually comparing it to sweetest massage. So relaxation massage, Mm -hmm. right? And we were both saying how we would love to see more whole systems uh, research done. Because when we see patients, you know, oftentimes, how often are you telling them, you know, something about their diet or lifestyle wise, how to relax? It's not Mm -hmm. just structure, right? Correct. (laughs) Correct. Um, So you have a study going on right now, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, it is a a
0: blinded study. So we're, we're comparing two different treatments. Mm -hmm. So we have the control treatment that we set up or the study treatment we set up and then we have a control treatment. Mm -hmm. So they're treated once a week for four weeks. And then if they get their period between their period and ovulation, we treat once that cycle. And then if they get their period again between that period and ovulation, we treat one more time and then there's a three-month follow-up. So in those that are in the control group, if they did not get pregnant, they get the the study group treatments at the end of the sessions.
1: Great. And where can women go to learn more about this study? Is there, are they, can they still get involved in it? Or is there a list for oh, they future can, studies? They
0: can still get involved in it. We're actually doing it at five different locations right now. Oh, okay. So it is in Seminole.
1: Okay. Which right. Is Seminole, Tamp- Florida. Yep.
0: <laughs> Tampa Bay area. We also have a therapist in Orlando, a therapist in Chicago, one in Medford, Oregon, and one in Sacramento, California.
1: Okay. So you've got some pretty big diversity there geographically. That's amazing. Okay. And where would they go to, uh, to learn about that or sign up about it? You can find more
0: information on it at www.pelvichealthresearch.org. Or you can also go to mechanicalinfertilitystudy.com are the two locations. And there are links to both websites, um, on each website.
1: Great. And we'll make sure that we have all of those in, in the um, show notes. So if you're, you're driving your car or you know, you're not with a pen or you're running <laughs> down the road like some of you are when you're listening to these things, we will have those in the show notes, the pelvichealthresearch.org. And you can also, if you happen to be in the Tampa Bay area and you want to see Mary Ellen, you can uh, go to her website, which is relief at hand.com, and you can learn more about her and the other practitioners in your office. And I, I love that you are a multi-practitioner office, much like mine here, you know, sometimes acupuncturists get stuck practicing on their own, but we have four and one massage therapist and you have how many PTs in your office? We have four PTs and an acupuncturist and two therapy dogs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you have therapy dogs. How did that happen? (laughs) Well, I was actually a puppy
0: raiser for Southeastern Guide Dogs, so I raised a puppy And when you get them, you you get the puppies at about 12 weeks old. Uh And then when she was 13 months old, I turned her back in for her formal training where she would learn how to be a guide dog, how to go up and down curbs and cross streets and when to disobey commands. And so they learn their really complex commands um, once they're over a year old. And she went in for her formal training and they do a lot of, they, they get a lot of, uh, evaluations mm-hmm. at that point so they'd go through their general evaluation their their uh, orthopedic evaluation they get a um, a cardiac workup they get an eye workup and um, she had passed everything then when they did the eye exam they found she was visually impaired so ironically I had raised a visually impaired guide oh. dog <laughs> oh. so they dismissed her from the program and I got her back and uh, we repeated the cycle a second time and uh, we got him back as well, although he was a breeder for the program for Aww. a year and, a, or yeah, for a year and a half, he was a
1: breeder. So now they're both just therapy dogs in the office. So you were just meant to have those dogs then, <laughs> right? And, and how awesome that you know. I think sometimes when you go to a new practitioner there's a lot of nervousness, at least in, at least in my business, right? Mm -hmm. People coming for acupuncture, so many have to get over their fears and, you know, and that's part of why our practice is designed as a home, you know, there's a couch in our waiting room because no disrespect to reproductive endocrinologists, but when I've been in their offices, it's so cold in a lot Mm -hmm. of them and nobody's looking at one another, (laughs) nobody's speaking, (laughs) you know, it's so sterile Mm -hmm. and like you know, the irony being everybody's there for the same thing, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so to be able to, to go into an office and, and see a furry friend, I think that that's probably helps women immediately let their guard down. I'm yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, wish I could take my dog to, to work with me, but she's not as well behaved. <laughs> there needs some work there. So let's talk about PT a little bit and kind of the connotation that people have around PT, because you know, I think, you know, even for myself being in this industry, when I think about it, you know, I go back to my roots and exercise physiology and I think about like, you know, athletic trainers and do this exercise. And what I just experienced with you was so, so different. It was so gentle, yet I could feel the releases happening in my uterus and my ovaries, like TMI for you guys, but <laughs> she's barely touching my, my pelvis and my hips. And I can feel things releasing that I've been trying to release for six months in my yoga practice. So (laughs) explain to uh, the listener what a a PT session for infertility might be like. Okay. So
0: um, I know most people are going to think, well, PT is either massage or it is exercise. And this is quite different because this looks at um, everything from a more system standpoint so i like to look at the skeletal system so someone coming in for infertility i want to see well is your pelvis stable is your pelvis even is one side really stuck and the other side really loose or are both sides stuck are they wonka or are they you know nice and even i want that pelvic bowl to be a nice bowl and not some, uh, work of art, (laughs) (laughs) abstract work of art tilted to the side. Right. (laughs) So I'll, I'll use the, um, muscles to help realign the, the bones of the pelvis. So that's step one and step Mm -hmm. two, um, I'll look for trigger points where, you know, where the muscles and ligaments around the pelvis holding things kind of in an awkward position. So I'll I'll treat those. And all the treatments are super gentle. It's not like I'm going in with my elbow and and nugging the crap out of things. What I like to tell people is that these treatments, what I'm doing is acting like a catalyst to get the body to release itself. Mm-hmm. So I'm just doing the setup and informing the body, hey, we've got an issue here and the body goes, Oh and does it its uses. own pattern to do what it needs to to release that. So all I'm doing is a setup for most things and letting the in just monitoring and feeling when the body's releasing it. So once I've aligned the the pelvis itself, then I go and I check all of the ligaments that surround and support the uterus because those ligaments attach to the front in the pubic bone, to the back, all the way to the sacrum. So a lot of women who experience, back pain with their periods mm-hmm. those uterosacral ligaments are often tight there are also ligaments that attach the uterus to the sides of the pelvis so I'm mobilizing all that so there's nice mobility in there and if you you know are extra nerdy and you want to look in an anatomy book the blood flow to the uterus goes through all that connective tissue so if that's really tight, say you were a gymnast when you were a kid or you were just really aggressive on the playground, mm-hmm. um, all those falls, you know again and again and again and again, can torsion things and, and create that uh, tension within the pelvis itself. So the, the ligaments, connective tissue also has contractile property to it. so it can hold itself in that contracted mm-hmm. state. So, you know, all we're doing is basically getting back in touch with the nervous system and going, okay, well, that fall was, you know, 20 years ago. You can let go of those ligaments right. now um, and let everything sit a little better.
1: Yeah, the body remembers. And I, and I do find in a lot of my patients that are uh, runners or cyclists or have an intense yoga practice, so we're basically where they're bent at the hips, right? Or maybe they just work 60 hours a week, as a lawyer and they're super tense sitting Mm -hmm. all day that you know I can feel into the fascia and I don't have nearly as much training as you do in terms of what I'm feeling because I mean you've been doing this for more than five minutes you've been doing this since (laughs) 1992 yeah
0: (laughs) so yes you know she
1: basically was like oh your 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 uterus is tilted and you know within minutes she knew what was wrong in my body which I've known for some time but not been able to release myself and it was so so gentle but I do find that a lot of our patients who are tense and sitting and in this forward motion of the hips all day there's usually something off there. Mm -hmm. So that's just so amazing that you can barely touch somebody, you know, and then reset it like that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then you do do, what's the second step after that? Okay, And and after that's released, then I will also look
0: at the lymphatic Mm -hmm. and vascular systems and see what sort of tension is within those systems where you have arteries bringing the blood out, to the cells. The veins are bringing back 90% of what the arteries brought out and the lymphatic system picks up that last 10%. So the lymphatic system is picking up uh, the excess fluid from what the cells are leaking out. They're uh, pick, It's picking up waste products from mm-hmm. what those cells are leaking out. Anything that's too large to dis- diffuse through the membrane of the venous capillary the lymphatic system picks that stuff up and it brings that to lymph nodes because those lymph nodes are full of white blood cells and it processes everything and sends it on its way and that all keeps going on throughout the body and then it rejoins the circulation um, into the vein shortly before it dumps into the heart mm-hmm. so if there's a lot of congestion, in through the pelvis say someone's had a lot of bladder infections in their life or they've had um, pelvic inflammatory disease or mm-hmm. they have a lot of uh, gut issues
1: oh yeah like leaky, gut, or leaky gut yeah
0: they can tend to have a lot of lymphatic congestion so that stuff is just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and that's not going to help the hormones get to where they need to be and you know it, it can the reproductive system do what it needs to do if all those waste products are sitting there. Maybe, maybe not, but what I'm trying to do is just optimize the environment that the uterus and the ovaries and fallopian tubes have so they can do what they need to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's such an important piece of the puzzle sometimes in unexplained infertility. You know, I always go back to digestion and people think, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, if you're not eliminating, you know, all that feces is sitting in the large intestine, like in such close proximity to this, you know, primordial soup, basically, mm-hmm. that's bathing your, your follicles and your ovaries, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what, is, what is around those ovaries that are trying to develop, you know, right. all that waste product, if it's just, if it's sluggish, if it's mm-hmm. not moving, and, you know, and the lymph system is so amazing and what it does for us. And I feel like that's one of the the systems of the body that's really overlooked. I mean, most women don't even know they have lymph nodes in their groins. Right. right. You know? <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll get somebody that's like, what's this bump? Yeah. You know? And they had no idea there was a gland there. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> right. And actually, there are about 400 lymph nodes
1: in the body. Yep. About 250 of those are within the abdomen that's crazy. Themselves. so much lives in the abdomen right we have right. you know more more nerve conduction in the in the, the solar plexus than the brain right i think it's mm-hmm. something that i heard once that was estimated you know that whole gut brain connection which not to nerd out too much, but if you look at developing embryology and the, the sheets of which the cells start to proliferate and change, you can see that connection there and why that is that way. So definitely all connected and that, you know, connected through the fascia, which is another thing that people don't take into consideration, you know, this fascia being like one giant piece throughout right. your body, Right. Right. And Mary Ellen was showing me these pictures of just how the how the fascia is all kind of intimately connected around the rectum and the the uterus, um and In the bladder. In the bladder, yeah. And how if you've got one piece of fascia sticking somewhere in the pelvis or a holding pattern from that, say that fall you took 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Or that car accident that mm-hmm. jarred you, right? Um, or really uncomfortable birth that you had right. the first time around and everything stuck and hasn't been released, how it's occluding blood flow is just absolutely fascinating. So I love the work that you're doing. Um, do you treat women during pregnancy? I do, Okay, I do. Uh,
0: that's a, another study I want to be doing, is okay. um, treating women, usually around week 36 or so, treating mm-hmm. the pelvic floors to help prevent uh, birth trauma. Oh, okay. So making sure that there aren't a bunch of trigger points within the pelvic floor, and that the ligaments, um, the sacrotubors and sacrospinous ligaments attach the sacrum to the rest of the pelvis and when those are really tight, you know, they may not allow the pelvis to open up the way it needs to for that birth. Right. So I'm um, my one of my next studies, which I'm actively trying to set up, is to uh, do those treatments prior to childbirth.
1: I in such an amazing difference of what that can do. I've seen that in women and. And just doing what I call uh, labor prep treatments yes. for women, getting them ready. You know, everything from you know we look at the structure, but you know a lot of what we're doing in, in acupuncture around birth too is looking at the emotional side of things, right? The you know the the possible fear around birth. But um, I do see, and just and having been a doula and you know being at a couple dozen births, there's a big difference in the women that have had some work a month or two prior to that delivery and are really kind of in touch with what their body's doing and don't have any painful trigger points, I, they have a much easier ability to, to really kind of open, which is this, this beautiful thing that you see the human body do during birth that's just uh, not like anything else I've ever seen. And then, so do people come to you weekly at 36 weeks until they give birth, or how often? Does it just depend well, I, on the person? It depends on
0: the person, yeah. um, because it if I can assess them and treat them and everything's beautifully open in that first treatment, then that's all we need. Okay. But some need two or three treatments in order to be able to open everything well.
1: I love that you guys. Mary Ellen's a real deal. She just treats what she sees in the individual. There's no crazy protocol of you must come 40 times, <laughs> right? yeah.
0: which happens. Well, I don't. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time. Exactly. Great. <laughs> right. it's it's when a we're, lot done, of stuff we're done, we're done. Especially
1: before that baby comes, <laughs> right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now let's get into this part of the segment about postpartum. Is kind of the the whole reason that I found you, because I, I was talking uh, with a, a Mayan abdominal massage therapist, Jennifer Pohl, in our area, who I absolutely love and, and go to, and we were talking about the the differences postpartum in our country and other countries. and. I'm sure if you were on Facebook at some point, you saw the thread that went viral of a a cooch coach in France, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and, and this idea that the pelvic floor, needs to be restored after you give birth right and the and I was just in in France so I had this amazing opportunity to actually talk to all these beautiful women about what happens to them after they give birth and that it's uh, very much still a process for them to go and take care of themselves and restore the pelvic floor because they are terrified of prolapse right which right. Is, is basically organs falling out of you right and so some postpartum work can actually be super beneficial in making sure that your uterus and your blood ladder stay up where they're supposed to be and Mm -hmm. you don't you know accidentally pee on yourself when you sneeze after you're a kid right (laughs) well and and so many women just feel because every other
0: woman around them says well you know you're peeing of course you just had a baby so welcome to motherhood yeah and it that's the culture right now it's like well you know that's your gift for giving birth yeah misery loves company right (laughs) right you know welcome to motherhood and then you know on tv what do you see but okay there's this commercial for poise pads and i want to scream every time i see one of those commercials, it's like, ooh, you know, I'm free, I can do all this stuff now, because I've got either Depends or Poise, and
1: I can... (laughs) And you're walking time bomb for a UTI, with (laughs) sitting there, especially in Florida heat, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or
0: a yeast infection, you know, let's make that nice... The (laughs) other fun thing of being a woman in
1: a hot, moist climate, right?
0: Yes. (laughs) But no, those can be treated, that's easily treated, especially stress incontinence, Uh you know, when you when you laugh, sneeze, cough, run, those types of things, it usually only takes two, three treatments and you're, you're continent again. So it's, uh, that is, um, you know, something easily, easily correctable. So postpartum, you know, women, some women have trouble accessing their abs again, some have like this, this mysterious pooch, you know, mm-hmm. that appears that they can't get rid of and often the abdominal muscles are separated. So yes. we can work on a lot of those, not all. Some are, you know, I will admit, are, are surgical. Mm-hmm. That that needs to be a surgical fix on some women, but others we can definitely fix. I'd say probably 80% we can definitely fix. Um, pelvic pain, pain with intercourse. You should be able to have pain-free intercourse. I mean, at any time, you know, you should, you know, before you get pregnant, while you're pregnant, uh, assuming it's okay with your physician that right. you can have intercourse while pregnant, but it shouldn't hurt with penetration. It shouldn't hurt with deep penetration. Mm-hmm. Um, shouldn't hurt with varying positions. And not only should it not hurt, it should be pleasurable. You know, it goes beyond just not hurting. You know, you should be able to have an orgasm and such. And, you know, same goes after you give birth. Once your physician says you're okay to have sex again, you know, it should not be
1: painful. And that can be addressed. Yeah, and so I definitely have more questions about, you know, this postpartum work and what that entails. But since we're on the subject, because... You know if you're not enjoying sex and you're not having orgasm which is a really important part to actually getting pregnant right Right. (laughs) (laughs) instead of thinking it's a job and it's going to be painful you're going to have aversion to sex right and then your your poor partner is like oh they only want sex when they're ovulating because it's this thing you have to do because it's painful there's so much that can be done to help that and there's there's so much magic in the cervix (laughs) we're laughing because she was sharing with me this video and i've seen it and i will try and find it for the show notes of what this dance does that the cervix does when you have an orgasm so let's talk about that
0: (laughs) yeah there's this beautiful video i want to say it was um, national geographic and it was about 20 years ago but they uh, recorded what the cervix looked like during orgasm and the male had already ejaculated so there was a pool of semen at the back of the vagina and when the woman started having an orgasm, the cervix was actually dipping into that pool of semen. So it was, it was this n- nice,
1: it kind of like activity. throws it up over its head, right? So <laughs> 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 kind of sucks it up. Yeah. Like if you've ever seen a dog, you know, throw its own ball to itself, <laughs> right? That's
0: a little bit of what the cervix was doing. You know? it's, it was a really cool video, but it, that's one of the other things that I do address during the, um, evaluation is mm-hmm. how well is that cervix moving, mm-hmm. um, during my, uh, fertility evaluation.
1: And just like, you know, the hips. So if you've ever done yoga and you, you, you can kind of see that, you know, one side is more tight than the other, you know, when that happens, it, it, that's happening internally too. So a lot of times I'll, women I'll, I'll ask them if sex is still physically pleasurable, right? If they can have an orgasm and they'll say, well, yeah, only in certain positions or, you know, only to this side. and, and there can certainly be ligaments on one side clamped down, right? Right. Ligaments or um, muscle. I mean, there's a lot of muscle that
0: surrounds uh, the vagina. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I can actually get, you know, easily to the obturator internus muscles Mm -hmm. that are rotators for the hip. And those can be quite tender on women. It can make it difficult, you know, for the legs to go where they need to go.
1: Right. To externally rotate, rotate right. Yeah. Which also needs to happen in birth. Yes. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, we, we have, in order to get you there and get you pregnant, we need to open these things up and then we need to keep them open and, right. you know, for that 10 months so that birth is, you know, not a horrific experience. So it's something you look back on fondly. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that kind of brings us back to postpartum. And also when you're checking the cervix, you do, you are doing some internal manipulation inside the the vaginal area, right? Right. But it's really gentle. So Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is I'm finding the
0: area that might be tender Mm -hmm. and then I'm bringing the body to a position where it's not tender and I'm letting the body just neurologically shut off those trigger points. So I'm just monitoring. So, you know, the only, pain that you would feel would be me initially finding the point but then I'm finding you know how to get that pain free to so the body can reset what it needs to reset
1: you know and her and I know that everybody's different and their pain levels are different but let me just tell you because I I have just had some uh, manipulation externally from Mary Ellen her touch is so gentle and her her intent (laughs) so strong that it was like she was just barely touching and these areas that have been tight on me and my hips and my my abdomen area and my pelvis were just like kind of magically letting go with the breath and i could feel it internally move so i'm sure internally it's the exact same thing Exact same thing right and I, that's why i do when i do my treatments i do everything externally first that i
0: can do before mm-hmm. i go internally so people aren't nearly as uh afraid right. when i go to do any internal mobilizations because I said, Okay, now I'm gonna do exactly what I just did externally, but it's just gonna be vaginally. So then they go, Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, after the first point they're like, Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. And we're usually cracking jokes and right. and having a grand <laughs> yes. old time during much like during we the were <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, definitely a, a pleasurable experience. It is not painful whatsoever. So if you have any inhibition around this but think that you might benefit from these services, I really encourage you to to seek out Mary Ellen or one of those other clinics that are listed in the research studies yes. in those various cities. And then um, – You know, if you're not in those cities, then I'm sure we can direct you to somewhere because you belong to like a whole international group of (laughs) Yeah. Well, there aren't too many
0: trained for the infertility stuff yet. What I want to do is do this research and show that yes, therapy can be an important aspect to infertility, just like acupuncture is. Mm -hmm. So I want to show, hey, yes, this is a viable treatment option. And then once I can show that with research, then I wanna teach it to any therapist that wants to learn it, but I'm not at that point yet to be able to just demonstrate, hey, yes, this is, you know, this is a great technique for fertility. But other therapists, I mean, we, as far as treatment for pelvic pain, bladder, bowel, sexual dysfunction, um, yes, there are pelvic pelvic PTs worldwide that can, help with those issues
1: and you're you're part of a an international group of um what's the exact term oh uh, uh,
0: well in the united states we're physical therapists but physios (laughs) physiotherapists yes yes. global pelvic physios yeah and we were talking
1: about (laughs) some of the differences in the other countries can you just kind of highlight that for our listeners so that they understand that you know we are really behind in our postpartum care (laughs) yeah
0: well in um in the united states and you know we're, we're talking in the american Uruguayne association about you know are we really doing a disservice to our patients because they're not seen for follow-up until six weeks right and that's with ob and then you know, you're lucky if you're told to do some Kegels at that point.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's if you get that K word, then you've been seen and treated and you are you know, you should be doing them in the car on the way home and you're fine, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's all you need to do. Exactly. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and it's rare that women will get referred for pelvic physical therapy, right? for stress incontinence, for pelvic pain. You know, a lot of patients, a lot of women don't want to bring, say to their doctors, I'm not having sex because it hurts too much
1: right that's just one of those even with infertility you know it, it it's not a conversation people are having <laughs> right there's right. Just some embarrassment and shame right. around it right? right and and i think there's this kind of attitude of like oh i just gave birth especially if you did all natural birth right, right. like you've won some gold star of like how much pain you endured and will continue to have like right. how dare you want your body to
0: function go back to normal (laughs) or
1: you know or they just feel oh that's
0: just how it's supposed to be right you know so there are some women out there having fecal incontinence Mm -hmm. stress incontinence and they're it's not being addressed either they're not bringing it up to their physicians or their physicians will just tell them you just need some cake you know just do some kegels and you'll be fine some physicians are better and they'll refer to therapy um, but that's not the norm and in France women have a set number of visits to yeah and it PGs. starts
1: really soon right? yes i want to say within a week yeah that's after. that was the consensus when i was asking women there they were like kind of horrified to, to yeah. hear that we didn't do that <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah yeah they were like well how do you how do you get everything back up where it's supposed to be you know and and i think sometimes we just think of our bodies as armor right that everything mm-hmm. stays in one place and you know when you get pregnant your organs start shifting like moments as soon as it starts, you know, receiving mm-hmm. all that hormone. Right. Right. <laughs> and so what does it do, you know, for 10 months it's shifting and moving and then you have a birth and God forbid, if you have a traumatic birth, right. right? You know, or a C-section or something right. like that. Now how often, how close to post C-section do you, will you see women? Um, as soon as they'll get to me, I mean, yeah.
0: okay. So somebody in the hospital has a total knee or total hip replacement, So they have their total hip done at seven o'clock in the morning, PT's in their room at two o'clock in the afternoon. This is true. This is very true. Why do I have to wait until that person is six weeks postpartum to treat them for a C-section?
1: Yeah. And I I think there's probably so much damage that could be minimized in that first Mm -hmm. six weeks before going home and and developing these like weird holding patterns with the baby and how you're going to lie down because everything's uncomfortable post-surgically yeah, I, we need you to advocate for that too, right? Let's right. Get, we need you to train the world so that there's enough of you to be in every hospital post-birth, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, no pressure. Yeah.
0: And um, the research shows, the fascial research shows that the sooner you can start getting everything mobilized normally after um, a trauma, you know, whether it be surgical or, you know, just pregnancy, you know, normal birth like that, um... As soon as you can get everything, the sooner you can get everything mobilized, the better everything is.
1: Yeah, it's one of those interventions that need to happen sooner than later. And you know, if you are pregnant uh, or you're thinking about becoming pregnant or you're a new mom and you're out there and you're listening, please don't take this approach that your baby needs 24 hours of your time and you can't possibly leave the house for yourself to do any type of self-care. Because the sooner you get back into that self-care the sooner you start feeling like yourself you're happier when you're not in pain yes <laughs> you're sleeping better <laughs> you're, you know your bowels are moving better and when mama's happy everybody's happy, including your partner <laughs> so it's really important to to make those appointments and i will i will sometimes encourage pregnant women to make a postpartum appointment even before they go into birth like mm-hmm. and they you know they they arrange care with you know, a mom that's going to be there or their partner. And so that they can actually break away from the house right away to kind of start gaining their independence back and, and, and really their body. Cause some women, I think after pregnancy, I feel like they just divorce themselves Yeah, exactly. from their body as if it's, it's served its purpose and now it's done and it's all about the breasts now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that was a lot of information for all of our listeners. I do want to ask you what is your favorite case study that you've ever worked on where you saw just crazy success and that's one of the touchstones that you go back to that just keep you going. I know there's probably a lot. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so asking for one is is <laughs> Well, I guess that you know,
0: my friend Carrie that I had treated yeah. initially who kind of set me on this path where, you know, I really had to think about what was going on with her because i hadn't done this treatment on anyone before but i figured out how to do it Mm -hmm. and she was one she had ridden horses Ah. she had showed horses when she was younger and she had fallen you know been thrown off the horse multiple times and when i had um, worked on her sacrum you know when i went to assess her sacrum it was it, it did not move it There was a lot of problems and it was those uteral sacral ligaments that were really, really tight on her. So I mobilized all of that. And she was the one who, you know, came down for a weekend. I treated her. She went home, got pregnant and that, you know, was, I guess, one of those cases that just made me go,
1: wow. Yeah. Look what this medicine can Can do. do. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) All right, and then my, my last question for you, so all those women that are out there um, trying to get pregnant, because you do see so many of those women, what's your one piece of advice for them?
0: My one piece of advice for I know
1: them. you have a lot, a ton <laughs> of advice. Um, but you, if you could tell them one thing that they can do right now for themselves, what would that be? Oh, my
0: gosh. Well, you know, I guess most women just know that Western medicine route, well, you know, I'm not getting pregnant, so then I'm going to do um, Clomid, and then I'm going to do IUI, and yes. then I'm going to do IVF, and, you know, there's so much more to, than just Western medicine, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I've learned how important acupuncture is for um, some women, and and for others, what I do is extremely important, and yep. for others, Hillary can treat them or I can treat them for eons and we'd still never get them pregnant because they needed that IVF, right? So it's, you, you got to do what you personally need to do in order to become pregnant if you're struggling. And, um, there's also, you know, mind body, um, issues with, with some, so it's, I mean, whenever some woman comes to me, it's Mm -hmm. an entire person walking through the door. So I try to kind of assess them and see, you know, where do they need to be treated and sometimes it's me, sometimes it's not. You you really have to find what is truly right for you. Yeah, and that means exploring everything, everything, right? right?
1: And having good therapists like Mary Ellen that are willing to refer to others, when they see a problem that maybe is not at the top of their skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, exactly. They can they can see it's there, but they know they know that person that you need to see. And, and you know, we're not passing you off when that happens. We we want what you want, right? Right. We want that take home happy, healthy baby. Yeah. And you know, we've got a whole army sometimes of women that <laughs> you know, magical healers, you know that that can help you. And and sometimes it is Western medicine, right? But. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up such an important part just there of, that I didn't ask you about, but that is trauma. So many women having, you know, physical or sexual trauma at some point in their life, and how that can sometimes be a physical block, right? Right. Or you know, from from holding patterns right. of how we hold the body, or an energetic block, not only to getting pregnant, but especially to having um, a pleasurable birth, right? Right. And so can you just say? you know, maybe have you seen that in your work of how there's been past trauma and certain places are tight in the pelvis? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, with some women that I've treated who have been abused in the past, yeah, I'll be working on the pelvic floor and I can feel this tension and the tension is not releasing. It's not releasing. It's not releasing. And, um, being able to open up about that trauma and getting that aspect of it addressed is critical for the physical block
1: right to let go yeah
0: right right but i'm not the person to address that emotional aspect of it so i need to refer those usually you need to refer those people to to get that emotional
1: Right, you know, with a the therapist, or, but it, it yeah. will
0: block. Yep, the physical aspect, absolutely.
1: And I and I do see some women who have done their work. They've gone to therapy. They've done the EMDR, and it's mm-hmm. like you know they did the exercises for the head and the heart, but it's still lodged in the fascia. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and I see those too where they've done all that emotional. Yeah. And now we can clear the physical. Right, it's that so last it's, little piece. Yep. Right. But, you know, I won't be able to clear the physical to the emotional is cleared. And so it's and vice versa. Vice versa. Yes, absolutely.
1: Ladies, you are you are this complex system of <laughs> mind, body, and heart and spirit. You can't just treat one part. So that's why I have all these amazing guests on this show that have all these um, puzzle pieces to offer you to help complete your masterpiece of getting pregnant and and having a healthy, happy baby. So, thank you so much for thank coming you on for the show. For having me. <laughs> yes. Uh, and again, this has been Mary Ellen Cramp. She's a physical therapist, a cranial sacral therapist, lymph edema therapist, as well as visceral visceral massage and fascial. Therapist, <laughs> at least, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so many credentials, right? She's making me want to go back to school immediately. <laughs> so much wisdom and knowledge here. So if you are in the Tampa Bay area, you can find her at reliefathand.com. And again, um, for her studies, that website is pelvichealthresearch.org or mechanicalinfertilitystudy.com right. Thanks for listening. We know your time is the super most valuable asset you have. So we appreciate that you spent the last 45 minutes with us. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to Fertile Minds Radio hosted at www.ladyportions.com where you'll find past episodes, show notes and free meditations. If you've benefited from what you've heard, leave a comment or review so it makes it easier for others to find this valuable wisdom. Let's help elevate each other. Thanks for listening.